We are owned by our residents. They're our shareholders, our customers, are our owners. They were the ones that wanted this installed, and they knew that we would be paying for it. We all pay for it as, as ratepayers. So we felt it was a good project. Hello, you are listening to the Community Broadband Bits podcast from the Institute for Local Self-Reliance. My name is Lisa Gonzalez. In the summer of 2013, we published a story on muninetworks.org about the community of Sebawing, Michigan. The small town located in the Thumb area of the state had just released an RFP for a community-wide gigabit network. Since then, Sebawing has been through the RFP process and we're happy to report they eventually built a community-wide gigabit fiber network to serve residents and local businesses. Even though Michigan is one of a handful of states that impose barriers to public investment in broadband infrastructure, this rural agricultural community felt it needed to do something to improve its connectivity. In this podcast, Chris interviews Melanie McCoy, Superintendent of Sebawing Light and Water. She describes how the state restrictions bogged down the process and could have threatened Sebawing's ability to get the connectivity it needs. When most people hear the term gigabit community, their mind immediately travels to Chattanooga. Sebawing, Michigan's first gigabit village, proves that urban centers are not the only places where residents can get the best connectivity. Here are Chris and Melanie. Welcome to another edition of the Community Broadband Bits podcast. I'm Chris Mitchell. Today I'm speaking with Melanie McCoy, the superintendent of Sebawang Light and Water in Michigan. Welcome to the show. Thank you. It's wonderful to have you on the show. We've been following the progress of your community for quite some time, but why don't we start with you telling us a little bit about where Sebawang is and, and what are the some basic facts about the community that we should know for background? Sebawang is a small, fairly rural community in southeastern Michigan. It's in the thumb of Michigan on the Saginaw Bay. Our, uh, our claim to fame is the sugar beet capital of the world. So we have around... 1,800 people that live in the village of Sebling. Uh, you have, you're surrounded by a more or less undense space, I'm guessing. Correct. A lot of agriculture in our area. Must be with all the sugar beets. I was, I was not aware that there was a big sugar beet industry in that part of Michigan. The uh, factory is our largest customer, um, hires, and, and is the largest employer in the, in the area. Okay, well, for about the last 10 or 11 years, as I understand it, you've been a little bit involved uh, as a utility. Uh, You're a municipal utility. Uh, You've been involved with uh, wireless internet access. Can you tell us a little bit about that? It was around 2001. The the utility, we're in electric, water, and at the time we went into the internet utility. Um, We partnered with businesses in town and put in a fiber loop uh, and shared the cost of a T1 line. At the time, the residents then said, isn't there something you can do to provide us with uh, Internet access? Because it's limited up here. We had some, but it wasn't wasn't to all of the all of the community so we put in a wireless system back then and that has been up and operating but recently it started limping if i can say and and customers wanted faster speeds which caused us to start looking at the fiber to the home 
And so you're looking at fiber to the home. Um, what are what sort of process did you have to follow to figure out how you could make sure that people were having the speeds that they needed in their homes? Pulse Broadband came in and started looking at some different options for us of what it was going to cost, how would we would be able to get it to the community, and what the benefits would be for everyone. And we went through that process and uh, – went out to to bid to try and get an estimate of what it was actually going to cost and then look at the payback, and we uh, decided to go forward with it. You released an RFP. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about Michigan law and how it complicates the process that that you then use to ultimately start building your gigabit network? Yeah, we had actually started going down the path of of installing our network, and then we realized we had, as you mentioned, because of Michigan law, needed to go back and actually put out an RFP for anyone to be able to provide us the the types of service that we wanted. Um, so you go out to bid, and if you get more than three competitive bids, the law states that you cannot build it then. Then a local municipal cannot build the the network. Um, Essentially, I guess, because they assume there's enough competition there and enough uh, source of the broadband for you. But um, we did not get three competitive bids. We got one bid um, and one non-qualifying bid. So that said, we could go on and, and install the system. But before that, there are some other hurdles that you have to do because of Michigan law. One is to do a a cost estimate and a, and a payback and actually hold a public meeting to review that. Again, so that, so that a community is not putting money into a product or a project that's going to lose money. And I guess, I guess some of the incumbents don't like the fact that a municipal could install it and maybe um, you're not paying for the utility for the Internet, I'll say, through Internet revenue. But we, we set it up because we are a utility, an electric utility, water utility. We look at the Internet being another utility that's going to pay for itself. Now, how did you structure the RFP? Uh, I mean, I'm curious because I'm sure that, uh, you know, there are some companies who would love to just come in and provide a gigabit to a few customers, maybe your your sugar beet industry, but no one else. Uh, were you able to structure it so that you were able to capture the fact that if a private company was to do it, it may not have the same impact as if you did it as a utility? You know, we actually put it out as a pure bid and we did have a private company that bid on it to per, to provide the service but we were able to do it for less than that which is why our village decided to go ahead and do it and and also if we had gotten 3 bids it might have been a different story if you had received 3 bids but of those bids none of them were going to build the entire community would the response would that have to be serving the entire community or would they be able to game it in some way the way we wrote the RFP was that it would be a gigabit community product you know so there wasn't that there would be less than that and they had to cover our our village they basically had to cover the whole village with our 1000 customers and you noted that the cost of building yourself was actually lower than the cost of the one company that had successfully submitted a bid uh, that you considered. Uh, what was the cost of uh, building this network? Our cost is in the $1.5 million range. 
some of that is because we're able to benefit by already having the right-of-ways and the easements because of our either the electric or the water that really assisted us in this construction. And how are you uh, financing this network? We are lucky. We have um, the capital reserves that we're able to finance it with. Because the community had been looking at this for a while, we were able to save up some capital reserves. Well, that sounds like, it sounds like better planning than it does luck. It, it is. <laughs> it is. The, uh, the utility here has been very, I'll say, uh, fiscally responsible in terms of saving money for, for these kind of projects, for the big projects that are needed. And so now that you're actually, you've built the network, as I understand, is that right? Correct. We have built the network. We have 150 of our residents hooked up right now. We have one gigabit customer that has been hooked up, and we have another 200 on the waiting list. So what are some of the benefits that you're already seeing in the community from the network? And I'm guessing there's other municipal facilities or village facilities that that you have connected. Uh, How is it different versus what you had been connecting them with prior we are actually, actually, we're taking a little different approach. Um, we're, we're starting with our, our residents and the smaller businesses first. So the municipal facilities are not hooked up yet. We, we are hooked up to our um, old system. So when I talked about the fiber loop that we put in and shared the T1 line for the businesses, that loop today is still operating not on the T1, but as um, on on regular fiber through another system, actually through Merit. Okay, yeah, Michigan has this uh, the statewide educational network that does a rather good job of making sure a lot of schools are connected. And I know that you already know that, but some of our listeners may not have. <laughs> correct, correct. Through the Merit system was was a partnership with the schools. We brought it in because they were in the area. So we have many of our small um, businesses. There's 19 of them that are hooked up to that. The village municipal facilities are part of that also. Oh, okay. So you you had previously basically built the needs that built out to them. Right, exactly. They only go up. Um, their their speeds are under 100, but it's still adequate for most of them. And we have seen businesses that because of that existing fiber loop are happy with it. They're able to add employees, add shifts because they have the capacity to, of the internet. It's, it's, it's exactly the reason that the community started looking at this too was not just the residents saying, can we have it, but also the businesses and hoping, hopefully it's an economic incentive. How does having a, a network of this sort of advanced fiber optic network being, uh, you know, I believe you, you saying you're the first uh, fiber optic village in the state. How does that change a community like Seabowing? We are hoping that's actually one of the um, goals of this project. We're hoping to bring some small businesses to our community. We had manufacturing in our area that has closed down. So we are underemployed, I'll say, some of our areas. So we're hoping that we can bring those small businesses back here. And each customer has a different need, whether it is the student going, having their courses online or the the little quilter's cottage where she does all of her business online at making quilts for um, or all of her sales online, or our first gigabit customer, which was Bayshore Camp. It's a Methodist camp in town. They have 300 
kids there every week in the summer, plus another 100 or so counselors. And, you know, each one of those people have several devices on them. So they need a very powerful um, wireless system in addition to the bandwidth. So, uh, and, and that's, that's critical to them because, because all those kids going to camp, if they don't have their devices, it's, it's, they're not having as much fun. <laughs> well, I can definitely imagine that. It's, it's, it's such a good reminder, too, of the need to have both uh, excellent wired facilities to just enable wireless facilities. That is what most of the devices we end up using are. Correct. So let me ask you, as, as we're sort of closing out here, uh, what, how did Michigan law make it easier or harder for you to get to this outcome where you have this advanced network available throughout your community? It made it harder because of the timeline and having to go through all the steps. We almost had to backtrack to go out for an RFP. We had to pay extra for a CPA firm to look over our cost estimate. We had to have the public meetings. Then we had to go out to bid, finally. Um, So the community kind of got anxious because it took so long. It was like, you've been talking about this forever. Uh, Now, I would guess that being a municipal utility, you probably would have had some public input already anyway. Is that the case? That is the case. We are owned by our residents. They're our shareholders, our customers, are our owners. They were the ones that wanted this installed, and they knew that we would be paying for it. We all pay for it as, as rate payers. So we felt it was a good project. So you had to pay extra in order to do some of the, the extra RFP work just to demonstrate the fact that you already knew, which was that the market was basically broken. Correct. Correct, especially for rural communities. Well, I think that it's disappointing that Michigan's created these hurdles, but at the same time, I'm very glad that that you've been able to move ahead and demonstrate the benefits of a city that can take its destiny into its own hands. So congratulations for that. Thank you. It's pretty exciting. And thank you for coming on the show today. Certainly. Thank you. Take a few moments to learn about Seba Wings Network at muninetworks.org. Send us your ideas for the show. Email us at podcast at muninetworks.org. Follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at Community Nets. We have some new music this week. Thank you to Dickie F. for his song, Florida Mama, licensed through Creative Commons. And thank you for listening. Thank you.